Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us at our new time, 4 p.m. on Saturdays here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. There, we're, we're now 18 days into Joe Biden's presidency. The Super Bowl is tomorrow, but for aficionados of New Jersey politics, the real Super Bowl, the one that we all care about, the election of a governor of New Jersey, is 269 days away. Uh, One month ago today, there was a protest at the U.S. Capitol that turned into a rebellion as protesters took over, uh, among other things, the the hallowed chambers of the United States Senate. Uh, Joining me at 420 today is Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey. She was one of Donald Trump's strongest critics in the Congress. She tells you what she thinks, and she never ducks a question. Uh, I'm going to ask her about Marjorie Taylor Greene and other issues facing the Congress, and you're going to want to hear what she has to say. And and today is Congresswoman Watson Coleman's birthday and Senate Majority Leader Loretta Weinberg's birthday. And I, I wish them both both of these trailblazers of New Jersey politics, the the very best. Uh, Later at at 4.35, uh, we're going to take a deep dive into New Jersey's 2021 state Senate races with two very smart guys, both of whom have seats inside the room uh, as both parties figure out ways to protect the seats they've gotten pick up more seats in the Senate. It's Democrat Kevin Drennan, the executive director of the Senate Democratic Majority Office, and Harrison Neely, a Republican political consultant. He's a top political advisor to Senate Minority Leader Tom Kane Jr. This is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And and I want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, a freshman congresswoman from Georgia. She's She's been in Congress for 34 days now, and she's already become a polarizing, controversial figure in American politics after, after promoting what people say are conspiracy theories. She initially said that 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, those of us from New Jersey and New York who, I mean, we, we all knew people uh, lost uh, on that day, and, and, and we know differently. And, and she said wildfires in California were caused by, I mean, get this, I'm not, I'm not making this up. She said the wildfires in California were caused by Jewish laser beams from space. Uh, Green called for top Democratic leaders to be executed. Uh, and the House of Representatives this week voted to strip Marjorie Taylor Green of her committee assignments. The, the full House did this after the Republican leadership uh, declined to act on their own. Eleven Republicans joined with House Democrats to remove Green from her committees. That included Christopher, Christopher Smith of New Jersey and three Republicans from New York, including a, a newly elected congresswoman from Staten Island, Nicole uh, Maliotakis. The vote cast by Chris Smith to punish Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't surprise me at all. I, I've known Congressman Smith for more than 40 years. Uh, this man has f- spent his entire life fighting racism and opposing hatred and bigotry and anti-Semitism. And whether you agree with Chris Smith on issues or not, there's no doubt that he's a man who will never, ever tolerate vile, disgusting 
intolerant, incendiary behavior from from Democrats or Republicans. So so his vote didn't surprise me. It's exactly how I thought he'd vote. And 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 people listening should know this. Chris Smith has been a target of death threats. The Chinese government has put him on their watch list. That's it's the price I guess one pays for advocacy of human rights across the globe. So if there's anyone who who won't stand around and allow someone to openly call for the the execution of American political leaders, regardless of their party, it's Chris Smith. Uh, the other Republican from New Jersey, Jefferson Van Drew, he voted to allow Green to stay on her committees. And, and in case you forgot, Van Drew's the guy who was elected to Congress as a Democrat. Then he switched to the Republican Party 11 months later. He pledged his undying loyalty to Donald Trump. And I'm not sitting in judgment of, of that, people who know me, uh, those of you who listen regu- regularly. Uh, you know, I, I try to stay out of, of uh, sharing my opinions. I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so sick and tired of hearing journalists give their opinions. So I, I, I try not to do that. Uh, but I wasn't, while I wasn't surprised by Chris Smith's vote or, or Nicole uh, Maliotakis's vote, I, I, I wasn't surprised by Van Drew either. I've been watching this guy since he was a local official in the 1990s. He's, he's always been a bit of a loner. He's never really had that many friends among those that he served, whether it was the local level or in Trenton. Now at age 67, maybe he's found some friends in Congress. Maybe maybe poor Van Drew just doesn't want to be shunned anymore. So, so let me be clear on something regarding Van Drew. Donald Trump won Van Drew's congressional district twice, 2016 and 2020. So maybe Van Drew knows what he's doing, but, but I'm old enough to remember some of his predecessors, some of his Republican predecessors. Frank Lobiondo had the seat for 24 years. He was a right-of-center Republican. I think Lobiondo would have voted with Chris Smith. Uh, I remember Charlie Sandman. He was an, an icon of the New Jersey conservative movement. He represented Van Drew's district in Congress during the 1960s and 1970s. He lost his seat defending Richard Nixon during Watergate as a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, And in my view, Charlie Sandman, who I knew just just a little bit, he would have looked at Van Drew. He just would have have shook his head out of frustration and bewilderment. Uh, I'm going to ask Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman about Van Drew coming up at 420. Uh, This is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. A scandal at the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility, New Jersey's only women's prison, continues amid allegations of reported beatings and sexual assaults against women inmates. Uh, Attorney General Gerbier Guayral filed uh, criminal charges this week against three corrections officers at the prison. Uh, They they were involved in this alleged incident where a woman was pepper sprayed. She was punched in the face, and and get this, punched in the face 28 times while she huddled against a wall in her jail cell. Uh, More than two dozen other correction officers remain on suspension. The investigation continues. Uh, This is the part I still find a little stunning. The, The state commissioner of corrections the guy who's in charge of running the New Jersey prison system, the person who who either knew what was going on and didn't do anything or didn't know what was happening in the prisons that he was charged with running. His name is Marcus Hicks, and he's still running the prisons right now. Hicks hasn't resigned. He was 
asked to by every Democrat in the New Jersey Senate. He was asked to by every Republican woman in the, woman in the legislature. Governor Murphy hasn't fired him. The governor's waiting for an independent investigation to be completed. Last night, Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield, she's a Republican lawmaker, she's a former sheriff, she's a former prosecutor, Stanfield announced that she would introduce a resolution to impeach Hicks from his post in the governor's cabinet. And Stanfield said that people's lives are at stake. She said that if the governor won't act to remove the man at the top of all this, she will. That, that's all a legislator can do if someone won't resign and the governor won't fire him. The prison scandal comes during an election year. And, and I'm reminded of a line from Man of La Mancha. It goes, whether the stone hits the pitcher or the pitcher hits the stone, it's going to be bad for the pitcher. So if, if this scandal picks up steam, uh, which means national media, cable news will need to pay attention because the Star-Ledger, the Bergen Record, the rest of the, the struggling Gannett chain, unfortunately, they're just they're too impotent to, to bring this upon, uh, up by themselves. Uh, the feebleness of this old print media offers, I think, sort of a shield to a cabinet member like Marcus Hicks. In the old days, in, a, in an era, I guess, when the, the newspapers and editorial boards had influence, when people cared what they said, a governor would have cut an unknown guy like Marcus Hicks probably on day one. And, and that is, is one of the things that is saving Hicks, I think, right now. Uh, this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. And, and this, this news, I think, is important. Nicholas Scatari, chairman of the New Jersey Senate Judiciary Committee, has proposed a complete overhaul of how political campaigns in New Jersey would be financed. Uh, Scutari is one of the legislators that can, can actually think a few decades ahead. And, and he likes to start uh, an early high brown dialogue proposing uh, issues. And, and so he's proposing eliminating limits on campaign contributions. In turn, the law would require a public disclosure almost in real time, 72 hours after contributions are made. Uh, I think it's an interesting trade-off. Some will say, why can't we have both? Why can't we have limits and real-time reporting? But I'm, I'm looking forward to covering this story. Uh, next up, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, who never pivots from a tough question. I'm going to ask her about the House vote to strip Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committees. You will most definitely not want to miss one word of what she has to say. So uh, please stay where you are. We'll be right back. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, Finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Pravda Records presents The Lilacs with their first new recording in 25 years. The Lilacs and Door. Four blockbuster hits. Monica. Monica, where are you? Monica, do you think of it all? Shadow of Death. 
I saw her first. Blue Spark. Get the Lilacs and Door on all streaming platforms and wherever CDs are sold. Pure Chicago Power Pop. The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of WABC Radio. Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey is serving her fourth term in the U.S. House of Representatives. She's a former state assembly majority leader, former Democratic state chair, and she was one of Donald Trump's strongest critics in Congress. Congresswoman, welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me, David. Uh, it is it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And, and this has been a fascinating week in Congress. I guess every week is fascinating. But, but on Thursday, you voted to strip Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committees. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Were you, were you surprised that re- the Republican leadership didn't act on their own, that the full House had to step in? Yeah, surprised and disappointed. I mean, they were more um, engaged and responsive when uh, one of their former colleagues had said some untoward remarks regarding uh, at what point did white supremacy become a um, a, a problem. I'm sorry. It's okay. I hope you can be. I, it's okay. I love dogs. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when uh, one of their former representatives had made some comments which were um, questioning when did white supremacy become a, a problematic English terminology, and they stripped him of all of his um, committees. And then they did the complete opposite as it relates to Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene. And so it's confusing. It is um, disappointing. But I think what it shows is their spinelessness and their uh, complete loyalty to a president who no longer is sitting in the White House and has been impeached for a second time for supporting, encouraging, and inciting an insurrection against his own government. And so you got to wonder, what are Republicans thinking? And since absence, they decided they weren't going to do it, left us no choice. And, I mean, we were, we're living in frightening times. They were only accentuated by those protesters storming the U.S. Capitol. What, what went through your mind when you saw... Uh, that Congresswoman Green had suggested that some House Democratic leaders be executed. So I have to tell you, everything I'd known about her, which wasn't a whole bunch, was that she was loony, to say the least. But to combine loony with gun-toting and danger is another issue. And so... She's unfit to serve at all in Congress. The people of her district um, repre- voted her in to represent their interests, but she's not going to get a chance to advance their interests through work on the committee because she's already demonstrated uh, her undeservingness of, of that privilege. 
I think that we've got a, a, a lot of work to do after January 6th. I think January the 6th was a culmination of four years of hate baiting. And until we can uh, work more closely and, and, and agreeing collectively, both Democrats and Republicans, that we got a shared responsibility to protect our democracy, that our democracy is precious but fragile. And until we put into place the accountabilities that will be evidenced by the investigations that take place, and until we ensure the consequences of those things that have been demonstrated uh, to threaten our democracy, we don't. We won't live with confidence of safety and security, and we won't have the normalcy that we need to take care of the myriad problems facing this country because of the incompetence, unwillingness, and evilness of Donald Trump and his administration. And, and I'm speaking with Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman. Congresswoman, you were recently named chair of the, uh, I want to make sure I get it right, so you correct me if I get it wrong, the Homeland Security Subcommittee on Transportation and Maritime Security. Uh, I know that gives yes. you jurisdiction over the TSA at the airports, but can you tell me more about your subcommittee? Yeah, the subcommittee, it does have uh, jurisdiction over the TSA. It looks at the um, federal marshals. It looks at the TSA employees that you encounter um, at the airports. It it also has jurisdiction over the Coast Guard. It It, it examines safety and security in all modes of transportation, whether or not it is ground transportation or air transportation. Um, and so we're going to have a very robust agenda looking at safety and security issues, looking at employee um, e- equality issues, because TSA employees are on the front lines, yet they don't have the same privileges of individuals covered by the Civil uh, Service Act. Um, there's a lot to do. We've got to look at the air marshals. There have been a lot of problems at the Coast Guard that we've got to look at, both with regard to sexual harassment and, and, and discrimination. So it's going to be um, a, a very uh, a, a very hardworking subcommittee. The whole issue of ground transportation is something that never gets the kind of attention it deserves. And, and ground transportation is very important in our region of the country. Sure. And so we get to look at a, a number of things, and I'm excited to get started and working with our with our committee. And it, it looks now, Congresswoman, that, that the emergency COVID relief plan proposed by President Biden is happening. What, what will this package mean to your constituents and, and the rest of New Jersey and the nation? Our families have been trying to uh, put food on the table, keep shelter um, over the heads of their family members, and at the same time be able to purchase the necessities of life. And they've not been able to do that when they don't have a job, or they've not been able to do that when they've been laid off and they need um, unemployment uh, and additional supplemental unemployment. They need those $2,000 survival checks in order to meet the needs of their families. We need to make sure that we have the resources behind getting the vaccines out and getting the vaccines to all communities, including 
those which are underserved communities. We need to make sure that there's PPE out there, that there's testing out there wherever it is necessary, and that the state and local municipalities and counties have the resources that they need to keep our frontline workers working and to pay them for the expenditures they've already made to keep their citizens safe and secure and and, and give them access to testing and vaccines. Um, it means that our businesses will have, we will recognize that the small businesses need our support in order to um, continue. And it would also mean that our economy will benefit from the influx of resources being spent to purchase necessary items because the money that gets into the hands of these individuals who will be eligible for the money will be spent for groceries, for clothes, for, for other items that represent necessities of life. In addition, this will help with the small landlords who are being hurt uh, because people can't pay their rent. So while there'll be the moratorium on rent, there'll be funding in there to supplement rental payments. There'll also be consideration for landlords. So this is about putting money in the hands of people who need it, who are suffering uh, because of this pandemic and need a hand up. At the same time, this will help drive our economy up. And I'm speaking with Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of, of New Jersey, and, and despite the high drama of this week, or, or really the last month, or, 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 or however far you want to go back, but Congresswoman, you have what you wanted now. Uh, you've got a Democratic president, you have Democrats controlling the House and the Senate, Democratic governor of New Jersey. What's your level of optimism for America right now, and, and what's your sense of responsibility now that your party is in complete control of government? Well, our responsibility is to be able to pursue the facts and the science, not the misinformation and the lies. Our responsibility is to, to work on issues of climate change because there's a sense of urgency, to crush this virus because there's a sense of urgency, to make sure that people are getting back to work and, and, and are being protected in their homes, to ensure that there is equality in um law enforcement, uh, to make sure that we have a, a robust, comprehensive, climate-respectful um, infrastructure bill that increases broadband, builds buildings, uh, builds communities, and ensures that there are jobs. There's so much that has to be done simultaneously because Joe Biden has been left in such a lurch, this whole country has been left in such a bad place because of the incompetence of the four years of Donald Trump that we can't afford to just work linearly. We've got to work simultaneously. And the good news is that Joe Biden knows what he's doing. He's got Kamala Harris by his side. They understand government. They've made promises along as well as we have to make life better for all Americans, to make it safer, to restore our relationships internationally, to protect us nationally, and we'll work together to get those things done. And I pray that our Republican colleagues will be willing to work along with us. 
And, and I, I want to ask one last question. But, uh, what What's going on with Jeff Van Drew? I mean, I, I guess he was telling ten Democrats plus Congressman Chris Smith, a Republican, voted uh, voted to take away Congresswoman Green's committees. Yeah. Jeff Van Drew voted with uh, with the Republican minority in the yeah. House. Uh, uh, I guess he was telling the truth when he pledged his undying support to Donald Trump. Yeah, as well as the fact that we see that uh, as a result of that vote and the need to have to take that vote, that the Republican majority has has pledged its continued fealty to Donald Trump. But I've known Jeff for a long time, and I'm not really surprised by the things that he does. You know, us folks who are Christians believe that the, the soul has weight. The soul, when you die, the soul leaves your body. And that, and that weight leaves your body. Well, I think he's a walking, soulless individual. I don't think he really believes in anything. I think he owes his um, um, his existence to Donald Trump, and I think he's willing to kiss his ring or any other part of his anatomy uh, as long as it's required of him to stay there. Yeah, well, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, thank you again for joining me. It's 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 always a pleasure to speak to you, and I hope you'll be back soon. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you, and I have been speaking with Bonnie Watson Coleman, Congresswoman from New Jersey. Next up, I'll be joined by political strategists from both parties, Democrat Kevin Drennan, Republican Harrison Neely, to talk about upcoming campaigns for the New Jersey State Senate. That's something you won't want to miss out on. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I always value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, I appreciate them, I need them, more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes, it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. Individual rates, coverage offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions. Not available in all areas. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Uh, Kevin Drennan and Harrison Neely are both on the Globe's list of the 100 most powerful people in state politics. Kevin Drennan's the executive director of the Senate Democratic Majority Office, the top guy in Senate President Steve Sweeney's world. Harrison Neely is a Republican political consultant. He's the number one advisor to the Senate Minority Leader Tom Kane Jr. Gentlemen, welcome. How are you? Very good, thank you, David. Thanks for having me, David. It's a pleasure. It's always always fun to talk to you, and this is the first time that that the three of us are doing this together. So, so I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I want to talk about the state Senate races in New Jersey this year. Uh, we'll go south to north. Democrats have a have a majority. They've had a majority since 2003. I, I see 
see about four Republican seats in play, uh, one, maybe two Democratic seats in play. But so, Kevin, Republicans picked up the first district seat two years ago. Mike Testa beat a Democrat who took Jeff Andrews' uh, old Senate seat. Donald Trump won the district by seven points last year. Can Mike Testa be beaten? It's going to be very difficult, David. I, I, I was fortunate 20 something years ago to be on the ground in 2001 when Jeff Andrew uh, won the assembly seat uh, and came on to the seat race, to uh, the race late. I think that it, it's a very difficult district. It's not a district that leans Democrat, um, but we've been able to do it with the right candidates and uh, the right amount of effort. Um, and there's always a possibility, but it is an extremely difficult district. And uh, Senator Mike Testa is going to be a very difficult uh, candidate to beat. And Harrison, Mike Testa, is he in good shape? Yeah, look, I, I, you know, first, I, I just want to I think it's worth mentioning. Um, we launched a website this week, Senate Republican Majority dot org. Um, if, if you're listening to this and you want to see more Senate Republicans in Trenton, check the website out, get involved, uh, donate if you can. Um, I, I think LD one's a great place for us to start because, you know, what happened in 2019 is driving a lot of the excitement and optimism around Republican uh, in Republican circles for 2021. Um, you know, uh, the national story for Republicans hasn't been good uh, on the federal level, but on the state level, if you dig down into what's happening, 2019, we flipped the entire first legislative district, had the largest legislative gains for Republicans in 28 years in New Jersey. And then in 2020, in one of the most difficult political political environments for Republicans ever, um, Tony Bucco won his seat uh, with an eight-point margin. So we're feeling really good. We feel great about Senator Testa. Uh, he's a great candidate, super dynamic, um, young, like ha- has a great profile in the district. Um, so we feel really good in LD1 and just generally. So let's, let's talk about the second district, Atlanta County, probably arguably the most politically competitive district in the state over the years. Uh, Republican Chris Brown flipped that Senate seat in 2017. And, and, and I have to start by asking this. Harrison, is Senator Brown running again? You know, uh, Senator Brown's decision is is um, going to be his news to break and his alone. What, what's important is he is um, setting himself up to be successful if he does choose to, to run again. Uh, he's got a campaign manager and a full campaign team on the ground. Um, you know, he's got raised over half a million dollars for himself. Um, he's in a very good position to get reelected. And, and, you know, he's continued to do all the things that he did uh, right that got him elected in the first place when he was in the assembly. You know, he's got top-notch constituent services. He has the right voting record for his district. He's a leader on all the important issues, you know, uh, like finding bipartisan solutions to to reopen the um, casino industry, which is the, the largest economic driver in the district. Um, so I, I think what's important is if Senator Brown chooses to run again, he will be successful. So, Kevin, what's, what's your take on District 2? If, if, if this Senator Brown runs again, can, can you beat him? And if he doesn't run again, I mean, are you you're going to run proven vote-getter Vince Mazio, or, or what's your plan there? Yeah, well, I th- first of all, regardless of whether or not Senator Brown can, wants to run again or not, uh, the Democrats are in strong position to win the district. And, you know, I'm not sure who the candidate's going to be for sure right yet, but if it's uh, Assemblyman Mazio, uh, he's got a very strong shot. You know, somebody who has, it's interesting that Senator Brown's got a good voting record down there because he tries to match uh, Vince Mazio almost vote for vote. 
And, uh, you know, with that, Vince Mazio, as a small business owner, uh, understands how much the pandemic has uh, been impacting uh, the area, the casino industry, but the small business owners and just the individuals who are unemployed or even employed and and looking for a better life. And Vince Mazio understands his district, works his district, uh, and would be a a very formidable candidate and and the best candidate down there uh, if it were him versus uh, Chris Brown. But other candidates may may come to light, and and Vince Mazio would be great on the ground as an assembly candidate too for us, you know, along with uh, John Armato. But you know, we have a very good outlook in in the Atlanta County District of District Two, and a lot of strong reasons to believe that that the fights that we've had to to protect that industry, the industry, the casino industry, which is the largest industry down there, uh, to believe that we can win that district. So let's let's move to the district next door to that district eight, which is Burlington County, but a little bit of Atlantic, a little bit of of Camden. The incumbents, Dawn Adiago, I mean, she was a longtime Republican. She switched parties uh, two years ago. She's now facing voters for the for the first time as a Republican. The, the Republicans have have got a proven vote getter as a challenger, Jean Stanfield, former Assemblywoman, former. Six-term Burlington County Sheriff uh, Harrison. This district hasn't gone Democratic in 48 years, but it has sure been trending away from Republicans. Can can you beat Senator Adiago? I think absolutely. Gene um, Stanfield is an absolute rock star uh, of a recruit for us. Um, you know, she's a proven winner um, in 2019 against all odds as as a assembly candidate in the, in the you know exact same district she she was the top vote getter she has a, a really good local brand as the former burlington county sheriff she, she's well known for you know all the good things that she's done in that position um and and look senator Diego, um you know when when she switched parties uh, she what she said was that her core values had not changed but her voting record says a very different thing i mean even just a week ago she had an opportunity to provide emergency funding for small businesses, and she voted against it along with the rest of her, the Democrat caucus. Um, so we feel very good there. Gene um, is, is a great candidate, and we're, we're looking forward to that race. Kevin, can you can you Democrats hold that seat with, with an incumbent who switched parties? Absolutely. I, I think uh, to to Harris's point, uh, Senator Adiego actually did not change her core values. I think that the, the Trump Republican Party uh, has completely walked away from their core values, but Senator Adiego decided that it was in her interest not to do that, to stick to the values she had coming in uh, as an elected official in New Jersey, and and her votes uh, have have stood strong. She's always been a, a very uh, strong state senator as a Republican, and, and certainly as much as a Democrat in believing in the issues such as you know, those that are important to working families in New Jersey. And, you know, the vote that Harrison point Harris pointed out is, uh, is, is, you know, sort of, you know, inconsistent because the, it was a tagged on a a hostile amendment. Um, But Senator Adiago has been strongly working for the small business community and, and is going to continue to work for the small business community. And it's going to be a leader 
in what I believe the Democrats will do next. And again, that's because she's sticking to her core values um, as an individual, even as the Trump Republican Party has walked away uh, from many of the uh, moderate Republicans throughout the state of New Jersey. I think this is going to be my favorite one to watch in the state. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you about Vin Gopal in, in the Monmouth County 11th District. He beat a three-term Republican incumbent in 2017. Uh, does Senator Gopal hold that seat? Absolutely. No question in doubt. I don't even see it barely in play, David. I think this is a race that is, you know, he's a, he's a vote-getter, he's a money-raiser, he's a winner, and no one's going to beat him. So, Harrison, what do you think about the 11th? Does Republicans have yeah, a chance? Sure. Do they have a candidate? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, the most important thing to remember is that this is still a Republican seat. In, in 2020, um, Monmouth County Republicans carried LD11 by an average of 1.6 percent. Um, uh, Christine Hanlon, I think, carried it by An award-winning designer, a legendary radio station. This is Threads with legendary... You guys there? Yes. We're yeah, here. Sorry. We had a little interruption. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> no, sir. No worries. So, yeah, first, this is a Republican seat. Uh, Monmouth County Republicans uh, carried it by over 1%. Um, and look, Kevin's right. Vin Gopal does all the right things uh, from a state street, per- state street perspective. But, you know, there are going to be a lot more small business owners uh, voting in this election than there are lobbyists. And, uh, he's going to have to answer for a lot of the, the of Governor Murphy's policies that he supported along the way that have uh, tanked our economy. And um, and look, the, the Monmouth County GOP is the one of the best Republican organizations in the state, and they're going to be behind this race. And we're looking forward to it. So let's let's move to 16, which is Somerset County, Hunterdon County. I mean, Princeton, South Brunswick. Republican Senator Kip Bateman, he's an institution in Somerset. He's been a proven vote getter there for a long time. He's he's retiring. I went back and looked this week. This district hasn't elected a Democrat to the Senate since 1902. Uh, but it's been trending heavily against Republicans. Uh, Democrats have, have won both assembly seats. Uh, Kevin, there's some competition among Democrats for that Senate nomination. Do, do we know who the candidate's going to be yet? I, I, we don't know who the candidate's going to be, and, and that's not a bad thing. But, uh, you know, uh, right now, I believe the only uh, uh, candidate who has expressed interest is Assemblyman Zwicker, um, you know, who's very strong, who has obviously been proven to already win in that district. I, I think that if somebody else were to challenge and come out of Somerset uh, County, which is still possible, um, that they'll be run strong as well. You know, Senator Bateman was a, was a great senator, um, and as I believe he even said, uh, you know, recently, you know, again, this is a party that has walked a, away from the values uh, that he he recalled and he remembered. And, and, you know, he's not, unfortunately for himself, not running. I think we would have had a very strong uh, chance in this district, even if he had run. And, and that's uh, part of the issue here, but for the Republicans, but for the Democrats, listen, with Princeton, with South Brunswick, and even with Somerset, who, who has, uh, which has been trending, uh, very much the Democratic Party and in large part to the leadership of the chairwoman, Peg Schaefer, there. Democrats are, you know, standing strong. And I think this is emblematic of something that is similar to District 8 for the Democrats, which is, you know, this is no longer uh, a uh, an area, the whole state of New Jersey, 
which uh, Republicans, at least uh, from a from their core values that they've moved to under the Trump era, seem to represent anymore. And and it's not just that the Democrats and independents have moved away, but the Republicans are starting to move away. And that's why whether it's someone's wicker or somebody else, the Democrats are going to be strong. And this is a big pickup for us and, you know, going to bring us to 26 next year. And Harrison, the, the, I think the only announced Republican in that district right now is Dick Zimmer, a 76-year-old mm-hmm. former Republican congressman who endorsed Joe Biden for president last time. Will, will your party pick an anti-Trump Republican to, to try and hold that seat? But, uh, Senator Bateman's going to be sorely missed. I mean, uh, that's one thing Kevin and I can both uh, certainly agree on is he, he was a great senator. Um, there's been a lot of interest in this race since his retirement, and I'm confident we're going to have a very good candidate um, shake out at the end of this process. Um, something else just to keep in mind is uh, the likely Republican gubernatorial candidate seems to be Jack Titarelli. Uh, he's a hometown guy for this district and um, very popular former assemblyman from LD16, and that's going to be important if he's at the top of the ticket. And, and I've seen Republican county chairs have, have extended the filing deadline based upon Senator Bateman's uh retirement announcements so they're going to they're going to take a little bit more time to to flush out candidates uh i want to take a quick break and 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 i'm going to have uh i'm going to have kevin drennan harrison neely stay on with me and we'll be back in in a few minutes to keep talking about state senate races uh this is david wildstein the editor of the new jersey globe and you're listening to the new jersey globe power hour on 77 wabc when it comes to autism Finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. Rockandrollglobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. I'm speaking with two top uh, party strategist in the, about the race for state Senate in 2021, Democrat uh, Kevin Drennan and Republican Harrison Neely. Uh, welcome back. And, and by the way, I just, just want to point out a little bit of breaking news just, just during the break. Morris County Republicans now have a line by a, by a two-to-one margin. So I, I want to move to a district that includes part of Morris County. Uh, uh, Harrison, it's probably the one in the state you know the best. It's the 21st district, Tom King Jr., announced this week that he wouldn't seek re-election to a, a seventh term. Uh, I think he's running for Congress, but I don't expect you're going to tell me that, right? 
no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so John Bramnick, minority leader of the assembly, a, a proven vote getter, uh, seems to have a lock on that Republican nomination, Harrison. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, leader Bramnick is a uh, a very good legislator, and uh, he has earned himself a, a great brand locally. Um, he has tremendous district services. He's ideologically a great match for the district. Um, he's a, a proven winner. 2019, uh, you know, Democrats came after that district pretty hard, and, and you know, he came out on top. Um, he's a great fundraiser, and, you know, Tom Kane's a, a great candidate, but uh, John Bramnick is pretty good, too. Hey, Kevin, there's there's two Repo- Democrats running for that open seat. Uh, Joe Signorello, the mayor of Roselle Park, Eddie Donnelly, the the president of the state mm-hmm. firefighters union is is this seat in play as a democratic pickup i i think absolutely but uh, you know first i just want to recognize that you know leader kane's been a been a great member of the state senate uh we're going to miss him uh when he when he goes after this year uh and he's you know certainly been a great representative uh you know to the people of the state of new jersey and his district uh that being said again there's a reason why people give up seats uh, and that's because they're hard to win and they see that in their future. And, and as good as Assemblyman Bramnick is, you know, I don't think there's been any Republican who has been as anti-Trump as Assemblyman Bramnick. But that goes to show how Democrats are, are just moving because the Republican Party have moved away from what people in the state of New Jersey believe, even even their former uh, core Republicans. And if people are going to choose something as someone who believes in their values, it, you know, it's going to be a Democrat and it's going to be in a Democrat in this district. And, you know, you know, this goes, you know, brings us 26, 27, 28 now for the for the Senate Democrats, which is going to be great for us. And again, it just continues with this, that the people of New Jersey do not agree with the values of the Republican Party anymore. And I'm really looking forward to this race uh, because it's going to be who's more anti-Trump. Uh, and fortunately for uh, a Democrat, they're going to be a lot more anti-Trump than Assemblyman Bramnick. So, Harrison, I want, I want to give you last word on, on, on the 21st. Tom Kane Jr. won this, uh, uh, won this uh, district in his congressional race. Uh, was, he, was he in any danger of losing the seat? I really don't think so at all. Uh, I mean, he, he just like Kevin said, he's, he's a great public servant. Uh, and, and I think the best indicator to look at uh, for, you know, how big of a factor is uh, President Trump going to be in these races? Go back to Senator Bucco's race in 2020, where, uh, you know, uh, President Trump at the top of the ticket lost the district, but Senator Bucco won by eight points. Um, you know, voters are dealing with state issues here, and uh, this is very much going to be about Governor Murphy's COVID policies, his economic policies. And, um, you know, that's a fight that we've won two out of two times in the last two years in the state Senate. So, you know, we we feel good. So, Kevin, Democrats dumped a lot of money into into Senator Bucco's district in in 2017, again in 2019, again, and especially in 2020. He won more actual votes than any legislative candidates ever run under a, a 40 district map is. Is Buco is Buco really uh, in danger of losing this year? Again, we had some very good candidates, uh, some good women candidates, and it would be great to add some more women to the Senate majority. Um, it's a, it's a difficult uh, district, certainly the Buco name, uh, but you know, father and son have been strong in that district, and you know, regardless of party, sometimes it's it's really hard to beat a name. 
and and not only is it is it a, a strong name, but it's it's a strong uh, commitment to to their voters. Uh, both both the uh, father and son have had, and and uh, Senator Bucco, current Senator Bucco, you know, represents that. It's going to be an extremely difficult district, absolutely. Uh, again, it's it's a district that is trending Democrat, and and if not this year, it will be soon. But you know, every year has been a possibility for us, or we wouldn't have invested. Uh, the amount of money, effort, and time, and certainly the candidates, the quality of the candidates that we've been able to run in that district, which we're very proud of. So in District 39, Kevin, uh, big primary going on there between Jerry Cardinal and Holly Shapizzi. If if it gets nasty, if it gets really divisive and they don't heal their wounds, is is this a, a Democratic pickup opportunity? I, I think, you know, uh, you know, regardless of, of what history has said about certain things after uh, a Democrat wins the White House, that Governor Murphy being on top of the ticket with issues uh, behind us like minimum wage and paid family leave expansion. Um, these are things that people care about. These are things that really touch uh, and mean a lot to people that 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 is going to help drive uh, us in these very difficult districts, whether it's Senator Busso's district or Senator Cardinale's district now. Um, and and it's certainly the infighting for the Republicans uh, will help us. Um, but again, it's going to be the messages. It's going to be the candidates themselves. And, you know, it's going to be a strong candidate in Governor Murphy uh, as we lead through these districts. That's going to help us win uh, and help us listen. You know, based on the numbers we've just talked about, we're talking sure. about a, you know, a Democratic victory that could go as large as 30. I understand. Right I think the they're Senate. I think they're playing this off now. So so you know, Harrison. Next time we'll we'll start with you on District 39. This is David Wildstein. You've been listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Harrison. And we'll listen. To, we'll be back next week at four o'clock. Pravda Records presents The Lilacs with their first new recording in 25 years. The Lilacs and Door. Four blockbuster hits. Monica. Monica, where are you? Monica, do you think of it all? Shadow of Doubt. Lost in the shadow of doubt. Nowhere to be found. I saw her first. Blue Spark. Get the Lilacs and Door on all streaming platforms and wherever CDs are sold. Pure Chicago 